0: Hey guys, so excited to be with y'all this Monday. Uh, if you don't know uh, who we are I, my name is Brian I'm a part of a community called one voice student missions we've been reaching public schools all across the country for the last decade if you'd love more information about who we are you want to get involved in reaching schools or sewing into what we do you can visit www.ovsm.com. I want to invite on my friend Manny real quick um, you know just uh, just right before we started on he was telling me how I need to be a little bit more sporadic and and so uh, I just wanted to invite him up here uh, Manny I know you You've been, uh, He's been running with me for almost six years now. And I just actually wanted you just to read the title of my message. It's pretty much all I wanted you to do. Could you, could you just read it for the people? Yeah, so it's called The Gospel of Deliverance. I just felt it was most appropriate that you read that this morning. Let's go ahead and, and, and grab a seat. Come on, go for Manny now. <laughs> Now, I want to check this out. I don't know if you've ever put these two together. I'm gonna to be preaching on a little bit on deliverance today. But before I do, I want you to kind of grasp this concept. Is at the cross there was there was two women that were very significant. One who had delivered Jesus, like physically delivered him, and there was another woman who had been delivered by Jesus. When you look at Jesus' life, you can really see that his entire ministry was about shaking things up. His entire ministry was about delivering people, seeing them set free. Uh, you know, reaching people that were unreachable. I just wanted to read you this scripture really quick. Galatians 5 verse 1, it says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Now, why is this so significant is because you look at Jesus and he had no other agenda in setting us free except setting us free. Now, I've heard this said before, you know, God sets you free so you can worship him. And that may be the heart of God that we would eventually follow him, love him, just as it is my own children. I absolutely want my own children to love me as their father. But Jesus's agenda in setting you free was simply to set you free. Now, let me continue this verse. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery, which is talking about sin. Now, when I look at the life of Jesus, I could see that everything he did pointed back to the Father. Every miracle, every healing. And I actually wanted to, to, to list a few things that he did. And as I begin to list these, I want you in your houses, in, in your rooms, in your cars, wherever you're at, to just get wild because I feel like when we talk about the things Jesus has done, it should absolutely excite us. And if you didn't know he did anything on the earth, let me read a few things. Jesus was one that turns water into wine at the wedding. Jesus heals the official son at Galilee. Jesus drives out an evil spirit from a man in Carpena. I think I said that wrong. Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law who's sick with a fever. Jesus heals many who were oppressed at evening. First miracle catch, uh, our first miraculous catch of fish was at the lake. Jesus cleanses a man with leprosy. Jesus heals a centurion's paralyzed servant. Jesus heals a paralytic who was let down from a roof. Jesus heals a man with the withered hand on the Sabbath. Jesus raised up a widow's son from the dead in Nain. Jesus calms a storm on the sea. Jesus casts out demons into a herd of pigs. Jesus heals a woman in with, in, in a crowd with an issue of blood. Jesus raises Jarius' daughter back to life. Jesus heals two- blind men. Jesus heals a man who's unable to speak. Jesus heals uh, heals an invalid at the, the pool of Bethesda. Jesus feeds 5,000 plus women and children. Jesus walks on water. Jesus uh, heals many who were sick uh, just by the touch of his garment. Can, can, can you already follow me? And you can see that Jesus' ministry was proactive. It was not passive. Jesus's ministry was was fully about deliverance. So we were talking the last few weeks that I've been able to speak on just anxiety, on fear, off of emotions and off of feelings. But when you get past those things that hinder, hinder you, you can actually see there's power in the gospel that we preach. Let me continue here. Jesus, uh, Jesus heals a man born blind by spitting in his eyes. Actually, he spit in the dirt and wiped it in his eyes. Jesus heals a boy with an unclean spirit. Come on, that's a good that's good news there. Jesus heals a blind, mute, and uh, demon-possessed person. Jesus heals a woman who had been crippled for 18 years. Jesus heals a uh, a man, again, on on the Sabbath. Jesus cleanses 10 lepers on his way to Jerusalem with a boss. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Jesus restores the sight to the man in Jericho. Uh, Jesus withers the fig tree on the road from Bethany. Jesus heals a servant, uh, a servant uh, whose ear was, was severed when he was arrested. And you could see throughout the life of Jesus, again, that in no way his faith, in no way his relationship with God was passive. He was all about deliverance, he was all about action. And his ministry never sat back and watched other people suffer when i was reading the different passages and the miracles of jesus this is what i caught a glimpse of is jesus in no way delighted in the suffering of other people jesus in no way sat back you know i I think i mentioned the last few times that i'd gone to some of the protests that were going on in los angeles and one of my main motivations was I wanted to go there. I wanted to hear the experiences of people, but be a light of Christ in these places. And I feel like there was nothing, there, was, there would have been nothing in Jesus today that would have kept him behind his flat screen watching the news. He would have went out to those streets and proclaimed the good news. There was nothing passive, and he could not sit back as people suffered. Yet we've adopted this idea that we can live a Christianity and a life that not even Jesus lived. We've adopted this mindset that it's okay if I quote some scriptures, or it's okay, I don't know where this concept came from, if you might have heard it before, these drive-by prayers, I want to encourage you that the days of drive-by prayers are over, but the days of action have arrived, where you're not just going to drive by and say, God, bless them, God, touch them, God, give them 20 bucks, but where you would actually stop your vehicle, and there would be action. There would be action that would lead to deliverance, and a lot of times when we think of deliverance, man, we think of someone getting a demon cast out of them, and that absolutely is deliverance. I do believe that people need to be set free from, from, from demons and all types of oppressions, but there's also deliverance that takes place when you're kind to someone. There's also deliverance that takes place when you're not just telling them the gospel, you're showing them the gospel. There is also moments of deliverance that take place in our own lives. A lot of times I've realized that Jesus will have me go do something for someone because there's deliverance that needs to take place in my life. Maybe God will say, go give this person $100 because I need to be delivered from poverty, because I need to be delivered from unbelief. You following me? Is anyone following me? Jesus was willing to go where no one went, pray for those no one would pray for, teach those that were unteachable. And I love this. He was willing to send those that everyone seemed or deemed to be unworthy. And when I see the idea of who Jesus thought would be the greatest deliverer of men and women and who he thought would be most fit to preach the gospel and pave the way for him, one person comes to mind. Probably thinking, who is it? It's Peter, James, John, none of them. When I think of the person that Jesus chose to be a deliverer of men and women, to pave the way for his coming, to proclaim the good news, actually, when you look at scripture, probably in my opinion and what I gather from scripture, to be the first real evangelist. He chooses someone who does not have a Bible degree. They have a terrible past. He doesn't pick someone with a great following. He picks someone that was actually shamed by many. He doesn't pick someone with a big ministry. He picks someone with many failed marriages. And in John 4, you see a picture of who Jesus qualifies to be the deliverer in Samaria. You see this encounter that Jesus has. And I I want you to bear with me as I begin to read some lengthy scripture here. Okay, I know a lot of times we begin to read, you kind of tune out. Do me a favor, just shake a little bit wherever you're at. And I want you to focus in. If you need to put your phone to your ear a little bit, if you're listening on your phone, you're watching through Instagram or Facebook, you need to lean into your computer a little bit, lean in for this, this next part. And I want to read you this in John chapter four, verse seven. It says, there came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore, the Samarian woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. I mean, you want to talk about divide. You want to talk about division amongst people. It's nothing new that we're experiencing today in America. This has been going on for centuries. I believe what's what's fueling the division of race is It's simply what's been fueling it since the beginning. It's that sin has corrupted the hearts of men, and it does not allow us to see people as God sees them. But here, Jesus, I love this verse, because he's going against culture. He's going against what other people would have done in this day, when other people would have said, Ben, the good news is not for you, because you're from this area. You look like this. You're these types of people. Jesus goes to those very people. Verse 10, it says, Jesus answered her and said, if you knew the gift of God, and who, it, and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And she said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get living water? Verse 12, you are not greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle. And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks of this well will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him shall never be thirsty. But the water that I give him will become in him a well, springing up to eternal life. Verse 15, And the woman said, Sir, give me this water, so I will not be thirsty, nor come all this way way here to draw. And he said to her, Call your husband to come here. And this woman answered, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You say this correctly, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you're with now is not your husband, This this statement that he says here, highly offensive. I know most of us were thinking, man, Jesus, this is jacked up. Like you are calling out this woman's junk. But you know what's so powerful about this? Is you don't understand the love that God has for you until you fully understand the mess he knows about you. I'm going to say that again. You don't understand the love that God has for you until you understand the mess he knows about you. Do you understand that when God chooses to love you, he's not choosing to love the Instagram version of you. He's not choosing to love the kind version of you. Take you on your nastiest day. Can you do this for me? Everybody in this room and you watching. You know those days you don't brush your teeth. You got plaque up in every single crack here. You ate something crazy the night before, so your breath stinks. You haven't showered. Your hair's crazy. And I'm talking about pre-COVID. I mean, some of you have been living like this for three months. Pre-COVID. Maybe you watched something you shouldn't have watched. You did something you shouldn't have did. You said something you shouldn't have said. You feel the worst shame and guilt. Imagine you on your nastiest, raunchiest day. Like, it's just bad. And Jesus looks at you and says, ah, that's what I want. Now, we can fathom that Jesus wants us when we're in a service, when we're going to church, when we're reading our Bibles, but it's so offensive for us to fathom that he actually wants us when we're jacked up. Jesus calling out this woman's mistakes wasn't him pointing out a fault that you could not be freed from it was him letting her know i fully know who you are i'm about to send you to do the craziest thing you are about to change history in your region but before you go i want you to know that you haven't bamboozled me i absolutely a hundred percent know that the person that's going to deliver so many other people right now is going to get delivered in this very moment you following me this woman said sir i perceive that you're a prophet Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. When that one comes... He will declare all things to us. And Jesus said to her, I speak. Check this out. I who speak to you am he. At this point, his disciples came and were amazed that he was speaking with this woman. And yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why do you speak with her? They knew better. So the woman left her water pot. Check this out. And went into the city and said to the men. Now, as our crew gets back up here. I want to worship with you a little bit at the end. But I want, I want you to focus in on this, on this statement of what's happening here. Jesus tells this woman, I am he. I'm the Messiah. And without hesitation, this woman who had many divorces, this woman who was probably shamed in her community. You know, I've preached all over churches across America and what I want to find it so interesting of the people that we admire are typically people that we don't know their deepest, darkest struggles because the ones that put it out there are sometimes the hardest people for us to believe God can use. And I love this. Jesus completely tosses that idea out of the water. She puts down her water pot. This is crazy. She puts down her water pot, and she goes, and she begins... To speak to the men, and this is what she says. Come, see a man who told me all the things that I've done. This is not the Christ, is it? And they went out from the city and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat, but he said to them, I have food to eat that you don't even know about. And some of the disciples were saying to one another, did anyone bring them something to eat? Now I'm gonna skip down here to verse 39. And this is powerful. It says, From that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. Wow. I mean, it's powerful because when I listed all these, I think I listed about 35 different miracles and moments Jesus had that were profound. And what's so amazing about those moments is you can see Jesus at work. But what was even crazier in this moment is you could see a redeemed sinner at work. Do you understand that your past truly doesn't define you? And I know we're living in a merciless culture today. It's almost like impossible for people to fail without someone blasting it on social media. Right? Even as you're navigating all the stuff going, it's almost impossible to not say something wrong without someone taking... We are living in the most, in my opinion, a hypocritical, merciless generation. When we need to step back and say, man, God, what have you set me free from? Before I'm going to judge a mistake someone else made, before I'm going to judge poor choice of words someone else used, God, let me put a mirror in front of my life. Do you realize that the greatest evangelist here in this passage was a woman with a terrible past. A woman who had so many failures. But do you know why she was one of the greatest voices? She could understand mercy like no one else. Where other men might have felt righteous in their Bible readings or their Torah readings and they might have felt righteous with their religious robes and their temple gatherings and their synagogue meetings. This woman, (laughs) divorce, 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 divorce. There's nothing that screamed call of God in her life except a man that met her at a well and said, Hey, I want to choose you to be the deliverer of men and women in your region. Verse 39 again. From that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of this woman who testified. And he told, this is what she says. He told me all the things that I've done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them. And he stayed with them two more days. This is what it says in verse 41. Many more believed because of his word. And they were saying to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and know that this one indeed is the savior of the world. Man. One broken woman's testimony delivers a region of people. Why is that profound? When I look at my own life, I come from a broken family, I've said this many times, still so many things I'm working out in my own life, I'm a 29 year old who for the last 11 years have not had the privilege of growing privately, which means when you lead everything you do, whether it's good or it's bad or it's rough, it's kind of on display. And you you learn to navigate different things and i look back at my life and i realize why is it that god has opened my mouth to proclaim good news oh because just like this woman i had a well experience i may not have had five six marriages but i remember being 16 depressed and broken i remember being 16 years old hating myself i remember being hospitalized and many people don't know this at 15 years old for anorexia cuz i had lost 100 pounds cuz i just hated who i was i can relate to this woman more than you could possibly ever think and i remember the moment jesus saved my life and i went back into my school and i went back into my house and i went back into my city and i just began to tell people about him i'm like man you guys i don't I, I know that i may sound crazy i know just last week i was doing all these things but I'm, I met a man, and he set me free, and I don't know how to explain it. But my, my, my chains are gone. Like, I've been delivered. You know, this word saved, we sometimes don't fully understand the, com- the concept of it. But it actually means so-so. And in this original language, and in the Greek, which it, was, which it was written here in the Bible, this word has three different meanings. It means to be rescued, delivered, and healed. And most people at salvation stop at the rescue part not realizing that Jesus longs to deliver you. I want to pray for some of you, because I believe this, that everyone who's bad deliverance is going to become a deliverer. Come on, everyone who's been delivered from something. And maybe you're watching and you're like, I don't, I haven't had deliverance. I believe God's going to break pornography off your life. I believe God's going to break addiction off your life. God's going to break drugs. He's going to break alcoholism. He's going to break hypocrisy. He's gonna break these things. You know, I've learned so much being married. I've learned persistence in times where it's really awesome, and I learned persistence in time where it's, it's crazy. And today I sat with my wife, it was her birthday, and we, you know, we we went and we we just had had a moment together. And it's crazy because I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, man, like we've been married almost six years. There's been really awesome moments. There's been moments there's been trying. But I could see the mercy of God that's been in our relationship. And I want to, again, just want to pray for you, for those of you who are watching. And I want to do something that we haven't done before. If you are watching and there's something you need deliverance from, would you just touch your screen? I know this might be a little bit different. I can't be with you physically in the room if you're watching on a computer. If you're watching on an iPad, if you're on your phone, just touch your screen. I want to pray for you. Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus for deliverance, God. True biblical deliverance on people that are watching now. Deliverance from fear, from anxiety, from shame, from guilt, condemnation, from addiction, from brokenness, from sickness. In the name of Jesus, I command sickness to leave bodies right now. I pray for deliverance even from just religion. People that are just so caught up in a system of works that they've missed grace. I pray, Jesus, that you would you would deliver us from just being so God sucked in by the culture of today. I pray you deliver us from the fear of man, fear of opinions, Lord. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you would come. And I just pray you would raise up deliverers right now. You'd raise up people that will take the gospel. You're gonna raise up people that'll say, "Man, it is my duty, just like this woman, to go and tell my region." And maybe your region's your neighborhood. Maybe it's your home. Maybe it's your friends. You know, we've been doing these these watch parties on Facebook every week man, it's so crazy because one of, one of the girls that, 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 that stays with us, she, she's like, oh my God, this per- I remember that person. He, we used to smoke weed together. Oh, that person, we used to part. I mean, they're jumping on. They're, they're hearing the good news. And, and this, this woman is, is also being a voice just like this woman at the well. There are, there are so many ways today that you can get the good news out. I want to encourage you. Maybe it's jumping on your phone and doing a minute-long video of just sharing what God's done in your life. You have no idea how that could impact somebody. So, Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus that people will receive the calling, God, to be a deliverer. That they will receive the calling to go out and to see the captives set free. In Jesus' name, amen.